Welcome to Keeping Up Marian. I'm Father Thaddeus. And I'm Father Timothy. And together we are Marian priests who, with Our Lady, try to keep the Word of God and the events of our daily lives, pondering them in our hearts. And today we're going to continue that by making a few more verses into the letter of Jude. So what do we have for today, Tim? I think we're going very ambitious today. We're going to try and get through <laughs> verses 14 through 19. I'm feeling confident about this. Five verses. that. <laughs> well, I mean, as we were talking about beforehand, a lot of this is kind of retread. You know, it's... it's yeah. And a lot of scripture writers do this. Popes do this. You know, Pope John Paul II, you know, kind of wrote in a very circular yeah. uh, manner. And it's, and of course, to reinforce, it's to keep coming back to these mm-hmm. themes in case you, you know, like even in a homily, right? Sometimes we like doze off a little bit or, you know, like, oh, yeah, what was he saying? And so we're thankful mm-hmm. for those times where they come back. So we might go through those parts of the scripture a little bit uh, more briskly than we've been doing up to this point. I don't know. I, I kind of think I need to keep up my uh, yes. trademark of, you know, one verse for yeah, yeah, yeah. 35, 40 minutes. <laughs> well, do you want to read the verses then? Sure. So we'll do them in, in two separate sets. Um, the first will be verses 14 through 16. Okay. And those are Enoch of the seventh generation from Adam prophesied also about them when he said, Behold, The Lord has come with his countless holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict everyone for all the godless deeds that are committed and for all the harsh words godless sinners have uttered against him. These people are complainers, disgruntled ones who live by their desires. Their mouths utter bombast as they fawn over people to gain advantage. Okay. The next part is going to be finally something a bit more encouraging, I think. So (laughs) once we get to the end of the letter of Jude. Yes. Well, so Enoch doesn't appear in the Bible except for Genesis. That's right. He's the first to be basically assumed into heaven. And there are actually two Enochs. Um, There's... This is interesting. There's the Enoch in Seth's line. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yes. And then there is also an Enoch in Cain's line. And so by distinguishing Enoch of the seventh generation of Adam. Correct. Yeah. You know, so when you count it out on Seth's line, he is the seventh. So it's the kind of which Enoch we talking about here. The good Enoch. Exactly. The the good one. (laughs) But just to make sure. But I mean, it it makes sense, too, because there was the reference earlier in the the, this letter of Jude um, about, you know, the the sons of of God and the daughters of man. You know, there's the the people who have had the those unholy relations and that sort of thing, the mixing. I mean, you think of God's command to the Israelites the whole time, you know, that's happened with the times of Moses. He was and it wasn't like to be prejudiced in in an undignified way, you know, that those people are in and of themselves evil. It was that their ways were evil, and I am trying to show you my ways, and I do not want you to be confused, mm-hmm. you know, because once they come in, and right now we're going through the readings of Solomon, right? And we haven't gotten to that point yet, but with Solomon, you know, the um, you know, after King David, you know, dies. Um, his son Solomon, of course, things are going good, things are going good, things are going good, but then he finally does the thing that the Lord said not to do, which is take on a bunch of wives. So he takes on a bunch of wives, and of course, their yes. ways 
start to weave into his ways and well things go to pot um so <laughs> it's one way to put it it's it, it's just a constant narrative and we have to of course be on guard for our own you know personal temples of the holy spirit right and yeah. and really make sure that each and every day we're we're entreating the holy spirit to come in to to continually purify us we have the gift of course of confession the sacrament to go to um, to go ahead and, and purify anything that is a, not of him. So with that being said, uh, it's beautiful that, you know, he's he's picking one of the holy ones, one of the holy men yeah. of Seth's line um, to go ahead and listen to, you know, his words and his example. Yeah, so Enoch was the one that was taken up into heaven. So it doesn't mention that he literally died. So right. kind of in the line of like Elijah and, of course, Our Lady as well, who was the one assumed into heaven. That's right. And here is a quote from First Enoch. So uh, if you look into the kind of history of the church, until about the year 350 or so, there wasn't a common consensus about which books were supposed to be read at Mass, hence which were part of the Bible. So uh, you actually had First Enoch in the liturgy in various places in the early church. Now, they have some interesting and probably not quite so accurate stories sure. about the fall of the angels, which, you know, you mentioned about, right. you know, St. Augustine would have problem with that. Yeah. But nonetheless, St. Augustine with St. Jerome argued that Jude should nonetheless be part of the Bible, even if he quotes right. these apocryphal books, That's books right. that aren't entirely false, hence sure. why you can quote from them, because it proves certain yep. points. Yep. Um, but it's part of what we call the intertestamental period of uh, Jewish literature, where there's all sorts of things that, you know, Jesus himself actually was aware of too. Uh, but didn't make it into, you know, the kind of Bibles that we have today. Right. So the content is what Jude is emphasizing here. And the content is pretty severe. We've talked many times about the reality of judgment, so we don't have to uh, reinvent the wheel here and re-explain. But it is worth remembering as Catholics that, you know, he's mentioning here the Lord has come. Now there's a, real quick, has come sounds confusing uh, because this is about the second coming, and he hasn't yet come. Mm -hmm. But in Greek, there's a, a form of a verb called an aorist verb where it's past tense, but it actually refers to the future. And okay. it's a prophetic thing stating it's certainly going to happen. Yeah. So this could also be said that the Lord will come with his countless holy ones. So he will come at the second coming with many holy angels, which he himself said multiple times in the Gospels, to execute judgment on all and convict everyone for all the godless deeds that they committed and for all the harsh words godless sinners have uttered against him. Now, again, if we go to the Greek, there's a lot of the word uh, asabia, which means godlessness. Mm -hmm. And so you have a verb with that, you have an adjective with that, you have a noun with that. Yep. And I mention that because we can read this like, oh, you know, the, the typical kind of Catholic guilt and fear of like sure. second coming, you know, where's the nearest priest? Let's go to confession. Uh, and Jude's point here is he's talking about the godless ones who have godless deeds and godless way of life. You know, so the fear he's trying to instill is not fear in those who already are close to Jesus and want to be near him because yeah. it's conceivable if we love Jesus, we want him to return. I, I know for myself I kind of look forward to that moment. I mean, I'd be happy if I were alive sure. to see a second coming because the person that I hold in the host, invisible to my human eyes, is the one I hope at some point to actually be able to see in truth with all of his glory. So I, I look forward to that moment. Um, but here, you know, Jude is giving kind of a salutary fear to these sinners and, and to all who have strayed from the truth. 
so that they remember, even if it's out of self-love. And that's what I want to really hint on here is that uh, sometimes we talk about self-love only in negative ways. You know, self-love should be in the last place, says St. Faustine, and that's true. Yeah. Uh, but GP2 makes this beautiful reflection. You know, the prodigal son, why does he return? Because he's hungry. I mean, he eventually comes to like, okay, I, I sinned and I need to ask for forgiveness. But when he's in the foreign country, yeah. the primary reason that he realizes I want to go back home is I don't have any food. And at least, you know, the slaves have food at dad's home. Yeah. And the reason that, you know, speaking of kind of judgment can be helpful is it at least helps people realize, even if it's out of self-love, even if it's out of the sheer fact of like, yeah, I don't want to go to hell. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to suffer. God works with that, at least modicum of self-love, because St. Thomas Aquinas talks about like, it's disordered self-love that gets us into sin. Sure. And this is due to like, if no other love moves these people, at least the self-love of right. um, self-interest you know, hopefully moves them to this repentance. So, Yeah, it's almost like a, a fail-safe, so to speak, in God's creation of man. You know, we, we talk about this, like, in, in regards to going to confession. There's those who go to confession because they fear hell. Right. That's, well, that's good, but that's not the greatest good. You yeah. know, we should go to confession because, well, we love God, and, and more importantly, He loves us. And the last thing we should ever want to do yeah. is to break his heart and 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 but what's beautiful again about that <clears throat> you know just briefly on the prodigal son is yes it is that motivation so to speak of the hunger that gets him to think but what's so amazing about I and mean, there's so many amazing things about that particular parable but he really knows who his father is who is good loving right. and merciful he realizes that my father will not reject me and ironically, the older son doesn't know who yeah. his father is. That's kind of like the crux. Like how many times we don't even think about that, that <laughs> are we the younger son who's done some silly things in life, but we still know who the father yeah. is? Or are we the older brother who's doing everything the father has asked us to, Yeah. but we have no idea actually who the father is. Yeah. You know, so this is, that's, you know, always something that that we can bring in our own reflections as we're, thinking of, of making our exams to go to confession and whatnot is to, to ask ourselves, which son are, which son am I being right now? You know, which son have, have I been up until the you know, last couple yeah. of weeks? One of my professors in Poland, Father Pekka, fellow Marian, he uh, commented following Eve Congara, a famous Dominican who wrote much about the Holy Spirit in the church, that the question is not just, do you believe in God, but also what kind of God do you believe in yeah. or not believe in? Yeah, yeah. And Bishop Barron hits on that quite yeah, a bit, you know, yeah. that when atheists say, I don't believe in this kind of God, he says, I don't, I don't either. That's right. <laughs> it's like, you're good to think that, you <laughs> right. know, it's like, that is ridiculous. That's preposterous. Yeah. Why would you, you yeah. know, so. And the other thing is I want to move forward with these verses, but the other thing about, you know, such a severe, let's say, kind of picture of Jesus, yeah. you know, Faustina does talk about this in the diary, that day of justice and mm -hmm. how the angels tremble before it. But we can often, again, see justice as only in terms of punishment, but yeah. it's also, and N.T. Wright writes about this in his book on hope. God's justice is a source of hope, meaning he's going to correct every wrong. We often see it as sinners like a threat, like, uh oh, you know, <laughs> you get punished for every little detail. But the other thing is like, how, how would it be, like, to use another image on this idea is, you know, a doctor says, okay, I'm going to rid you of the nine tumors that you have, and I'll just leave the 10th mm. because, well, I'm getting rid of most. Right. You know, I don't want to 
be too severe. Like I don't want you to go through too much pain and surgery. Uh, so I'll just leave, you know, one in. Well, that, that's not even merciful like that. Yeah. And in the same way, we can sometimes see this, like he's going to execute judgment and, you know, for every evil deed. And we kind of perk up and, and the reality is it's a good news though of like God, God is zealous as Bishop Barron would say at times, like sure. he is zealous to make everything that's wrong whole and healed again. That's beautiful. What kind of God or father would it be if like, yeah, you know what? It's all broken and messed up still, but that's fine. No, that that's not good. That's not helpful. So that's just also to remember as we read about like executing judgment, that's Jesus saying, I want my creation whole and restored and every human heart to be filled with my love. Yeah. So now verse 16, these people are complainers, <laughs> disgruntled ones who live by their desires, their mouths utter bombast as they fawn over people to gain advantage. Wow. <laughs> well, this, I mean, of course, who are we speaking of? We're speaking of those godless people. Yes. And, and actually, you know, um, like, let's stick, let's continue with the prodigal son analogy. Let's go to the older son. Yeah. In a sense, he's godless. He's, he's, he's following, quote unquote, the law. He's doing the things that his father asks him, but he doesn't know the father. Mm -hmm. And what's he doing? He's complaining. He's the disgruntled one <laughs> yes. who's been living by, you know, his desires, but he's been doing it in accord with yeah. whatever the, his father yeah. asked him to do. And his his mouth is uttering, you know, bombast, you know, as he's fawning, you know, he, he, he's trying to gain advantage over, you know, over his father. He's not doing it because he loves the father and he realizes the father, you know. Yep. So all of this really kind of, again, kind of comes in. But before we even got to that, what I was thinking, you know, especially, you know, here we are, like, really ramping up in our country, in the U.S., uh, for a new political season. Mm -hmm. And how many times have we seen all politicians on both sides, left and right, they just fawn over people. You know, I've literally seen politicians go to, like, the South, and they speak with a Southern accent, <laughs> you know? And it's like, what are you doing, man? You yeah. know? And then they go somewhere else. And then, so they'll go to, like, this small, t you know, whatever town, mm -hmm. maybe they're farming, and they'll talk about farming, you know? But then they'll go someplace else, and they're all about windmills and and no yes. farm, you know. So we're going to get rid of farming, and it's like, well, they're just right? right. They're just trying to get votes, right? They're not. They're not about the truth. They're not about anything concrete. Right. These people are just very wishy washy, and well, because God right. is the only thing that's concrete. As we're going to get to it, you know, in the next group of verses. But we're going to contrast those who are worldly and those who are not of this world, but are of the spirit, mm -hmm. right? And only the spirit is has a fixity to it that has a permanence mm -hmm. to it, whereas the world is passing. Right. That you can't, in a very real sense, plant yourself for too long, mm -hmm. you know, and on anywhere in this, this uh, planet, because eventually that too, you know, will fade away. Um, so... I agree with you because this is what sophistry is sure. in ancient Greece. That's right. You know, we've as seminarians all had to study philosophy and sophistry is basically there's no actual truth. You just use language to your own advantage. Right. Um, which, you know, even if thousands of years have passed, human nature and our fallen, you know, state still remains and politicians who still want to use whatever words they can to gain advantage. 
And I want to add that, again, the whole context of this letter is that Jude's speaking specifically to Christians yep. to warn them about teachers. Not just teachers, you know, in the university settings, in the classroom, right. but yep. politicians, people of authority, people That's of right. influence. Yep. And so what Jude is warning here is about the sins of the tongue. And we could do a whole section just on that. But, you know, when he talks about complainers, disgruntled ones who live by their desires, he's referring to the Israelites, the Hebrews in the desert. Right. When they're moaning and complaining, you know, why did you bring us out of Egypt? You know, despite the fact they were grumbling and complaining in Egypt that right. they were enslaved. And then when God, you know, delays in providing exactly what they want, they complain even more. And that's what Jude points out is they live by their desires. Now, that's not to say desires are all evil. Right. And that's not the point of what Jude's saying, because the idea is they live only according to kind of their capri uh, caprices, which is a good way. Like, it's just, I want this, I want that. You know, little kids in a candy store who just have this kind of insatiable need. Well, this and that and this and that and that. Does it actually satisfy what they want? No. It's kind of like a, having a mosquito bite. The more you scratch it, the worse it gets. <laughs> you know, the, the false idea that, well, if I scratch the itch, you know, it's going to satisfy and go away. No. And again, so they're not only grumbling and complaining, they utter bombast. And I looked up the Greek as you were talking, you know, it's this of excessively big size, yes. <laughs> uh, excessive weight. And, and the idea here is that you know, they're uttering empty words, yeah. you know, they're loud mouths. What? To, as they fawn over people to get an advantage, they're trying to have undue influence over others, but not because they teach actual truth that brings, you know, real satisfaction to people's needs, but rather just to use what they need to their own advantage. That's right. You know, so they're not real pastors, you know, caring for others. Absolutely. And so many people, you know, we, we throw around the phrase, you know, those who follow the health and wealth gospel, right. which is one instantiation or, or right. misunderstanding of what Christianity is, which is basically in a nutshell, that if you follow God and, and do everything he asks you to do, he will bless you abundantly right. with health right. and wealth. Right. Um, but that literally is contrary to what Christ says. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, if you want like, to be my disciple, you have to that's right. deny yourself, take and up it, your and cross. And it isn't to therefore say that, well, that's always going to happen either. Right. You know, as he, he, you know, it says also, you know, the, 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 the rain falls on the just and the unjust and the sun shines on the just, and that there is a season for all of these things. Yes. And, and that our trust is for a reward that isn't of this world. Right. You know, so that's always got to be in every Christian's mind is, that there are going to be some times that perhaps the Lord in his providence will bless us financially and healthily. But, right. but we shouldn't therefore use that as the metric to show that, well, God loves me or not. Yes. Because we also have other scriptures that basically says that he chastises us, you know, chastises us yeah. precisely because he loves us. You know, mm -hmm. he takes things away from us perhaps because we have become uh, too addicted to that thing. And he's trying to remind us or, you know, uh, who who is it that you really love? What is it that you really yeah. love? And and this is again the perennial. Like we we can never lose tr you know sight of this this notion within our own hearts um, because we can forget it. It, yeah. it. it can just easily happen. So it's not a uh, okay. I learned that lesson. Moving on to the next. <laughs> it's yes. like you got to keep coming back to it. Yeah. No, it takes a lot of repeated instances. Yeah. To let the message hit home. Now, there's one thing I want to tie in, but I think we we can. Advance and then I'll make my comment. Yeah, because it, it, it will, yeah, as the people will see, it's going to fold back anyways. So verses 17 and 19. To 19. Through 19. No? 
Yeah, I have through 19. Yeah. You said 17 and 19, just to make sure our sorry, sorry. we're not, we're not skipping verse 18. Yes, that's correct. Yes, my mistake. But you, beloved, remember the words spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. For they told you, in the last time there will be scoffers who will live according to their own godless desires. These are the ones who cause divisions. They live on, nat- on a natural plane, devoid of the Spirit. Okay, so again, a little dreary, but we're, we're inching close to the, the final exhortation and then the beautiful doxology or the yes. praise. So remember the words spoken. There we have you know, keeping up Marian, something very sure. Marian there about memory here. And here when he mentions the words, he's not stating literally like a verbatim statement that you'll find in scripture. Yeah. But if you look at Paul, if you look at Jesus, you know, these warnings about false teachers is not just something particular to Jude. So it's not like Jude, you know, just has an axe to grind and <laughs> had a bad day. Um, he's very particular about this because Jesus warned about false teachers and prophets. Paul did, Peter did. It's all throughout the New Testament. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to emphasize is that, you know, this care for who teaches, you know, is very important. And that's why yeah. in the Catholic Church we emphasize magisterium, who has the capacity, where do you look to? Um, because like Jude is saying, it's very easy. These people utter things like bombast is also like that can be very flattering, you know, can sound very good and very convincing. And especially Jude emphasizes twice living according to desires, yeah. not according to the spirit. Why do people follow certain teachers? Because it feeds their desires, because we all have this need for validation of our desires. Sure. And I remember in uh, Dominican House, one of the Dominicans sharing, you know, you have people who suffer various, let's say, uh, like same-sex attraction or other kind of issues, we would say, that can lead lead to immoral actions. And saying part of what they want, like anybody, though, is just validation, is just a fatherly blessing. But part of all of us as sinners, because yeah. it's easy to identify like, oh, those people, Sure, is all of us, we want to sin and get the fatherly blessing at mm-hmm. the same time. Mm-hmm. And his point is, that's the crux of our issue is, we have these desires and we want to indulge them. <laughs> and we also want, you know, a father who really blesses us in our lives. And that's what you're getting out of kind of this prosperity gospel. You know, we just kind of want everything. <laughs> and sometimes he'll certainly bless us. Right. Other times he removes them, not because he's just angry, but that's because right. he lays up the treasure in heaven. And I think what I just want to emphasize here with this idea about like teachers is why do we fall sometimes? What do people fall? Because we all have certain desires and we're kind of waiting for them to be validated, waiting for someone to be like, you know what? It's okay. Yeah. And it feels like the solution because it feels like, oh, it's such a weight. And instead of having this like condemnation over me and see people saying no, you know, to be able to say like, oh, no, I can have X or I can do X and it's just okay. And it sounds compassionate, you know, like, oh, it's okay to practice sexual immorality. Like, you don't, it's, it's too strict. You don't, you don't worry about that. That's the bombast. That's the flattery. That's the stuff that the false prophets and false teachers, and that's just one example. But all of us have to be careful because all of us are prone because of our desires and fallen desires to have to gravitate towards those people who start validating those things, you know, in our own hearts. I don't know if I'm making sense with that. No, yeah. Well, it's, again, it's 
the difference between <clears throat> those who are God-fearing. Mm-hmm. He's not mentioning the God-fearing, but a God-fearing isn't like, <laughs> I'm petrified of God, he's going to smite me. <laughs> right. But it's what I what I mentioned before, the fear of breaking God's heart. Right. Because it is a heart that is rich in love and mercy for us, and not just us, everyone around us, that he wishes to impart his mercy to all of his creatures, you know, uh, all men and all women. Um, that is what he truly desires. Um, but it's it's also, you know, when I was reading this earlier, I was also thinking about, you know, the godless who profess to know about God, mm-hmm. but they may not either act like they believe that right. he exists, right. or they might go ahead and teach about God, but they don't believe in God. So this this uh, you know kind of conversation happened, if I recall, back in like um, the, the concern of the scholastics in the mm-hmm. early days. You know, the thing is like, well, like theology, we forget we forget about this. But I've met theologians who are atheists, and it's like, well, wait a second, like any ology. Right is is a is a right. study of or a science of that thing. Right. Right. So, if you are an atheist, that is, you don't believe in God, but you call yourself a theologian, that is, one who studies right. God. Do, you know, it's like, do you not see the the and, right. and so, but you get this from people who do teach is like you you have to kind of wonder do they really know god and and do they no, know the they one don't. true god and but they teach in an authoritative way right. and this is what can help sow division right and 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 there's many degrees of this there isn't one flavor of this sometimes people might really believe in god they want to follow god but perhaps they think God is just this angry yeah. monster, and so they they teach their flocks according to yeah. you know this authoritarian you know authoritarian rather um, uh, methodology. And of course, again, they don't know who God really is, yeah. you know. And so this is what I find is the invitation here from Jude. Mm-hmm. It's like, do not be any of these people. And chances are. There's been times in our own lives where we might have fallen into some of these categories mm-hmm. of the godless, that is, those right. who are don't have the fullness of God within them. Yeah. Um, and, and but this is what really sows massive di- division. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus warned the teachers, you know, if you teach poorly, you know, then and you lead the little ones astray. Yeah. No, then, you know, bad stuff. <laughs> It's coming better, your way. Better to have a millstone That's around right. your neck and thrown to the bottom of the ocean. So, I mean, Jude here by far is not any uh, harsher than Jesus himself. And yeah. Sometimes we can have this image of Jesus just merciful and kind sure. of this pushover almost. Yeah. And he's anything but that. He's is merciful, but he's merciful because he takes sin seriously. That's right. And takes all that weight on himself. Because he takes his love for his children seriously. Right. So uh, when you were mentioning that, because I want to try to wrap this up as we inch towards uh, the last lines here, living on a natural plane devoid of the spirit. You know, that's why theologians are not the magisterium because uh, it's the bishops, those who are ordained, God willing, filled with the Holy Spirit, anointed by the Holy Spirit. They're the ones who officially teach. And to your point, I mean, I use Audible uh, to listen to audiobooks as I exercise and provide something to learn as I, I work out. And if you you know, it has suggestions because I listen to a lot of Catholic things. Sure. 
and it it often suggests these Bible studies from atheist theologians. That's right. And I don't need to get into names, yep. but you know, it, it gets into these real issues, and it and it's true because these people present theories that then become very present in the world as if they know everything, you know, and advocates huge problems. So this is by far no past problem. You have no. a lot of false teachers That's going right. around in even the church, the, outside the church. Even the people that write our footnotes. <laughs> Sometimes, I mean, so I won't yes. mention any particular brands, you know, but I'm, I've got a good one. I've got the Ignatius Study Bible, yes. you know, so there are God-fearing people that wrote these footnotes. But it's true right. that you'll read these things. You're like, really? That's what they meant about that? But right. then... If you're not right. doing your due diligence to find out, well, who wrote, I mean, because who, you know, has the time, you know, but also other people who comment like CNN, Fox News. I mean, right. all the, the, you know, we have these quote unquote experts out there who tell us these things. And so often we're just like, well, I guess it's true. Right. I mean, it makes me think of the, the G.K. Chesterton quote of, you know not being educated runs you the risk. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but runs you the risk of taking educated people too seriously. <laughs> you yes. know, once yes. you're educated and you realize like, you know, going back to philosophy, what did, you know, Socrates realize when when, you know, he realized that the more he knew that the more he didn't know. Right. And you know, and 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 that's the the true humility, you know, is that that only God is God. Mm -hmm. I'm not God. I don't have that kind of knowledge and power. You know, so humility is such a huge aspect. But when you run across people who don't seem to, mm -hmm. you know, have that kind of humility. Um, you know, you really have to, yeah, you have to be careful. And and if there's one thing that I haven't made clear before, like, is is the fact that it's so important to read things in context. And that's what we've been trying to do over these many episodes is to show mm -hmm. this particular letter of Jude mm -hmm. in its context, giving people the background, giving people the references that are that are being made so that his words aren't misunderstood, yeah. you know, because people also have the false notion that a thing can be said so perfectly that it can't be misused. And that's not true <laughs> because Jesus is, he says tons of things that get misused and you can't say right. it more perfect than him. Yeah. I mean, Satan uses Scripture. God's own words that's right. to tempt God. That's right. I mean, so yes, it can always be misused yeah. and abused in that sense. So, when it refers to this last time, just for clarification before mm. I kind of finish what I have to say today is that refers not just to like right before the end times, but right. everything since the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, because we are in the last time, like this is the last condition of the world till yeah. the second coming. Yeah. And so it's everything from the very time of Jesus up to now to, yes, in a particular way, the end times when we think about the Antichrist coming and wanting to deceive everybody. And the word here for scoffers, again, I like looking up the words, it means someone who mocks, someone who deceives. Because mm. uh, we can think of scoffers as just kind of like, huh, you know, these kind of arrogant people. Sure. But Jude is warning not just about these clearly arrogant people, because they wouldn't deceive many people if that were the case. Yeah. They were that easily identifiable. And that's where I think about the Antichrist, you know, these are, according to tradition, like highly educated people, you know. So the scoffers may not be so kind of clearly nameable as such. Sure. They may be very deceptive and yeah. very subtle in what they offer. And and so Jude identifies here. So they live according to their godless desires. And then he says later, you know, they live on the natural plane devoid of the spirit. Again, theology of the body, you know, we're not saying that desires are, are evil, but this again merits kind of its own 
own episode, but what he's pointing out here is we're to live not according to the flesh, as Paul would say, but according to the spirit. And what does that mean? Driven not just by our human needs and instincts, but driven by the spirit. And Jesus says that. Sure. Seek first the kingdom. Yeah. What do the pagans do? They seek the food, the clothing, the financial security that we all need. Well, the kingdom on this earth. Right. And he's pointing to the right. the kingdom. And, and that's where really like the litmus test of Christians is not, well, do you just go to Mass on Sunday? Do you do these things? Do you pray rosary? It's do you live according to the human instincts or do you live according to divine instincts? And mm. St. Thomas Aquinas calls those the gifts of the Spirit. Like what we receive in confirmation is to live literally pushed by the Spirit like wind. Yeah, And that's hard because that requires a self-denial. Yeah. It requires saying, you know what, I do want this, but I'm to seek the kingdom first. And that's again why I warn like, we can all be tempted by false teaching. Why? Because it's very easy to want those desires to be satisfied because to live by the Spirit only is possible through the cross. There's no living by the Spirit without death with Christ on the cross and rising to new life with Him. And we talked about the divisions, so I don't want to belabor that point. Sure. Um, but we can see that easily in the church today and in the world. Uh, so it's incumbent on us, incumbent uh, on us as priests, but also just as lay faithful to try to live according to the Spirit, because we can't just discern what's right or what's wrong only by mental processes. No. And we'll see that in the next one. So I won't give that all away, but as we conclude the letter, uh, St. Jude's actual ex exhortation is primarily about interior things of the heart, faith, Holy Spirit, prayer, mercy. Those become the litmus tests to know, is this teaching true or not? Is it right. leading me to Christ or not? So I don't know if you have anything you want to, say before we conclude? No, just to kind of, um, I guess to perhaps piggyback a little bit on that too, is is the uh, division aspect, you know, that, that God, um, you know, we recently went and saw recent episodes of The Chosen, and Jesus has mm -hmm. that, I've come to bring the sword, you know, be like, wait a second, I thought <laughs> unity was it, right? Yeah. I mean, Judah's talking about unity, and you're yes. talking about, you know, but but what kind of division? Well, he wants to separate the people from those, you know, the, the people that want to follow God from the people who don't want to follow right, God. Right. You know, who does the evil one wish to divide? Those who are authentically trying to follow God. Right. He wants to pit them against each other. Right. So there's different kinds of right. division here. Right. He's, you know, the evil one wishes to deceive and to divide the holy ones of God so that nobody gets God. Right. Yeah, no. It, Jesus and God, of course, they want to divide, you know, uh, those who are authentically wanting to follow him from those who just can't give a rip. You know, those people that are just thrown up like the sophists. They're like, it just can't be known. It can't yeah. be done. And it's like, well, fine. If that's what you want, then you can have that. But I'm taking right. my kids this way, you know, so. Yeah, and that's where it's not that God literally just wants to divide and condemn people to hell, but Jesus says, like, those who do not believe my word condemn themselves. Yep. They have separated themselves by that's their right. own free choice. So, good point. Very good. Well, I've enjoyed this. Likewise. Thanks for watching this episode of Keeping It Marian. I'm Father Thaddeus. And I'm Father Timothy. Join us for our next episode, and we ask you in the meantime, pray for us as we pray for you. Immaculata Virginis Maria Conceptio. Seed nobis salus et protectio. May the Virgin Mary's Immaculate Conception be our health and our protection. God bless. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to watch it as well. You can find the video version of Keeping It Marian exclusively on DivineMercyPlus.org, the streaming site for all things Marian. 
Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you a Marian Helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.